the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CDP, see the phenol. Hey, you. Today is a good day for me. 
we are 55 days away from college football season, and I'm so excited because today we get to talk all things ACC. But before we get into that, the first thing I want to do is I want to give all praise to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for making everything possible for me to get this going. And with that being said, we're about to jump into this daily devotional, and it comes from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When I look up when I look at the words of Jesus to his guys about risking it all for him, I'm reminded of a brochure that I received from a financial services company. It had a simple graph profiling my level of comfort with financial risk. I could fit one of three categories based on the level of risk I could tolerate conservative, moderate, or aggressive over a time continuum. Then the flash it hit me. My walk with Christ and the faith or risk is based eternally on eternity, not 70 or 80 years, and not, and it's not finance. It's based on the risk taken for an intimate, eternal relationship with the God of the universe. He has given us the open door of accepting the faith that, it, that he has supplied us with, which we all know involves risk. Otherwise, faith has no meaning. Time, time was created by God when he, when he put the planets in orbit, which indicates to me that we all have an equal amount of time seeing we cannot predict when we die. Back in the beginning, God gave the human race choice by placing the tree of God and, and evil in the garden. You have a choice. Based on what God has given you, this should give you your answer regarding your risk quotient. Remember your relationship with the Father is based on his love for you. God desires an intimate relationship. Intimacy is based on giving the other person in the relationship. Father, help me concentrate on your love for me. Is that motivating or what? And I actually think it is. But before we get started, with all things ACC this week, I'm going to hit you up with a song. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine, and that was my man Torrance Rudd with I'll Be On My Praise. Now, what we're about to do right now is we're about to jump in, into this in this deep right now. You know, there's some breaking news going going on out of the out of Tallahassee, Florida, where Dalvin Cook has been suspended indefinitely after turning himself in to the police for allegedly punching a woman. You know, aside from that, you know, you have the quarterback that was dismissed because a certain female said a certain word to him. You know, I'm not going to get into that because, for one, I don't care what you do or what you say. You have to show some sort of restraint when it comes to hitting a woman, you know, I know a lot of people like to say, hey, this is what happens when a woman puts herself in a, in a puts herself in a man's place. I don't use this kind of language on my show, but I'm going to call BS on this because you're in a crowded bar. Alcohol's flying everywhere. So what if a woman, so what if she swings at you? You know that she's lit. You're at the bar. You know that you're lit. You basically just splatter her face, her, like make her splatter blood all over this bar. And for what? Because she didn't give me no play? Is that is that what we're getting at? But beyond that, I think for me, that was addition by subtraction for Florida State. Now, the Dalvin Cook situation, that's a little bit more, you know, complex. I don't really know much about it. But dude did the right thing by turning himself in. So, with that being said, let's dive into this. Because the ACC is one of those – is a mixed bag this year because you have – a lot of you have some returning quarterbacks. You have some that have left. 
case in point, the Jameis Winston experience at Florida State is done. It's done. No more. You got Sean McGuire and you got Everett Golson, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. But you got great coaches, returning coaches. You got great quarterback. You got great quarterback play coming back. And one of the things that that excites me about this is Clemson and you know now it's Deshaun Watson's team. No, it was it's Deshaun Watson's team. He's built for this offense. That's all I can say about that. But then you got coaches on the hot seat. You got coaches who may be ready to retire or may be ready to move to other big jobs, i.e. David Cutcliffe and Frank Beamer. (laughs) Hmm, let's think about that for a minute. But – Looking at looking at the previews and and everything for for the ACC, and I see a lot of people have that sentimental pick of Florida State. Can they win their fourth ACC championship in a row? Can Can Duke and Georgia Tech make it back into the into the ACC championship game? Hmm. Good questions. All of them are good questions. And I want to welcome in my man, my guest, and everybody, everybody's friend, T-Rex. What's up, homie? What's up, man? Hey, we're talking about all things ACC here. Let's jump into this real quick. The Dalvin Cook situation I know it's breaking news. I know every everything about. I know that you know. I, I broke that in kind of quick, but mm-hmm. what do you think of the situation? Well, from just from the little information I gathered about him um, hitting his lady multiple times, but he, these guys just need to keep themselves out of that situation from happening. And, 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 you know, I don't condone them hitting a woman, even if the woman has initiated. But at the same time, I feel like the athletes need to kind of take them away, take themselves out of, out of normalcy because you, you're not really normal anymore because of the fact you know how the country is, you know how we are. We idolize, you know, celebrities and athletes like that. So we, we hold them to another standard. So I know they I know they would like to have some downtime and try to be normal and go out to the club and bars and stuff like that and have a good time. But we're in the day and age of people always want to uh, have some kind of shock value of something as far as like videotaping fights and 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 just trying to capture that can't miss event and post it on social media so they can get a million views or or be talked about on the Today Show and and of course you know show like the, the tailgate crew show and everything just to get publicity. So, amen to that. He was wrong for, even he was wrong for that. At the same time, athletes are being targeted as well as far as the publicity goes because. Just like with the bar, with the bar fight with the quarterback, uh, the former quarterback at Florida State, 
we clearly saw the initiation was was done by the woman. That was the time for him to bail out and walk away rather than swinging on her and, and, and knocking her out across the bar. Because people know who you are now, and it and being being a, a a college athlete, everybody around that town or city that you attend the college know who you are. So they gonna try to prod you and and provoke you to do something. So that way. They could be like, aha, I made him do this, I made her do that. And then just to get some kind of laugh out of it. And then before you know it, they done already ruined their football career or they've been kicked out of school. And so now they got to deal with the consequences of, of their action to pick themselves back up. So that, Amen, I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't really got all the information on Cook's involvement, but from what I heard, it's pretty much – the same scenario that uh, it was Johnson, right? That the quarterback at Florida State. Oh, Nick Fearson, Johnson, whatever. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me because I think the guy's an idiot for even putting himself in that situation to begin with. I'm not calling him an idiot, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm calling him an idiot because this is what you do. I mean, myself, Chance. You know, we should be talking about predicting football games, not getting into what's going on criminal, you know, criminal, criminal-wise, you know, with some of these athletes. Because for one, mm-hmm. you know, this is a, this is the most wonderful time of the year, and I for yeah. sure, and I know you would agree with me that. If I had the opportunity at their age to play college football, get paid for an education, and all this other all this other mess, I'd be in the bar, but I'd be back off in VIP, not worrying about what some crazy some crazy woman is doing at the bar or what my what my homeboy is doing trying to start a fight, you know. With somebody, I just, I don't have time for that because I'm I'm up and I'm on to bigger and better things. With mm-hmm. that being said, with that being said, you know, every day is a gift, and when opportunities are afforded to you, you take advantage of them. You don't throw them away, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I can't believe that I'm even that, that we're even talking about this right now, Terrence. I mean, you know, I know what I mean. But it's mm-hmm. part of what we're what we're talking about right now because these are this is affecting probably the favorite in the Atlantic Division, you know. And mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, Dalvin Cook can can make his way through this. You know, maybe it's maybe you know. Maybe it's just a big old misunderstanding, but you know, you never you never can tell. And until all the facts come out, you know, we can't make any rash judgments or we can't jump to to a woman's defense because we don't know if that really happened or how that really happened because there's always four sides to a story and I've been taught four, everybody's been taught three. It's his side, her side, the truth. And what really happened, you know? Right. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I would rather, 
I'd rather move forward and talk about the ACC. And like I said earlier, this is a mixed bag because you got returning quarterbacks, you got quarterbacks who are replacing legends, you got the damage experience at Florida State. Gone, you you've got coaches on the hot seat. So, I mean, the ACC is more of a potpourri of of good football. And dare I say, they actually outplayed the, AC, the SEC last year. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's neat, but I, I just think that the ACC, I played the SEC last year. You know, even though we both got teams in the playoffs, neither one of those teams made it to the championship game because they got beat by better opposition. But with that being said, you know, we'll start off with the Coastal Division. And, you know, of course, the Coastal Division is it's probably the most competitive division in all of the ACC because you got a really good Duke, a really good Duke squad who they're losing a lot, but they're also bringing back a lot. And I really think that you know, even though they've only, even though they've gone nineteen and nineteen and eight in the last two seasons under David Cutcliffe, I think that this this season for them is that season that they can really, really could break out. But they've got to find a new quarterback. They've got to find some receivers to go along with Max McCaffrey. Um, you know, Chris Taylor is one of those receivers who can play. Um, and they've also got three running backs that can run the ball, that can catch the ball out of the backfield. So David Cutcliffe's got a lot. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of leeway here. You know, a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people are saying that they could break out and be this big, this big club in the ACC. But in other ways, Duke can also be that team that goes five and seven or, you know, six and six. But with the way that they play and the heart that they play with all day, day, night in, night out, it wouldn't surprise me if they win, if they they eke out those eight nine wins, kind of like the James Franklin Vanderbilt teams did, or or the teams that that David Cutcliffe had at Ole Miss when they were when they would win ten eleven games under Eli Manning and and uh, Romero Miller. You know, um, I'm, I'm dating myself when I say Romero Miller because that was the last quarterback before. Before the the chosen one, as as they call him, it, you know, in Giant Land, you know, Eli Manning. Okay, chosen one may be a little bit far fetched, but we all know we all know what I'm saying. You know, and David Cutcliffe is a great coach defensively. He's got to find some. He's got to find some things defensively. Got some great secondary. Got great secondary. Um, they don't give up much. They don't give up much in the passing game. They don't give up much in the running game. 
I mean, they're solid defense. They were 12th nationally. They were they were they were 12th in the ACC, but in the middle of the pack nationally in yards per game. And you know, when you don't give up as many points, but you give up a lot of rushing yards, but you don't give up the passing yards that you should give up. Man, that's what make that's what makes the difference between a a nine and four team and a three and nine team because when you got when you got shut down corners like Duke had last year and and let's put it this way, those five those five defensive backs are back this year and they don't lose much. I mean, they they're, they're having to add add things in offensively, you know, add new players in offensively. But but honestly, for me, Duke has that chance to to be that breakout team. They're a dark horse for me. But we'll move on. Um, you know, nobody really talks about Miami. And nobody really talks about what they could do. No, nobody talks about Miami or North Carolina and the things that they can do offensively. Yeah, they lose a lot of players, and yeah, they they were kind of Miami was kind of that team that was. Huh, how can I put it? They weren't as good on the field as they could have been on paper. And that's what makes Al Golden one of those one of those coaches that's on the hot seat. And he's on the hot seat only because he's not flashy. He's not he's not getting the best out of his players. Like he did at Temple. And we all know what he did at Temple. We all know the job he did at Temple. And he did a great job at Temple. And you know, his schedule the schedule that, that they have coming up this year you know, does not bode well for for Miami. I mean, all the big games are are away. Um, you know, the one good thing about about the schedule is that you know they have Florida State. They're at Florida State. They got Virginia Tech. They got Clemson. Georgia Tech at home, but. If they don't sure up things offensively, the defense, even though it was ranked 14th in the nation last year in total defense, can be one of those defenses that will tire out very early. And they're really they're they're deep. They're very very deep. And if they can find that happy medium on offense, you know, and that running back to replace possibly one of the best running backs of this generation in, uh, excuse me, um, I lost my train of thought there. Um, Duke Johnson, I'm sorry. Um, they can find the replacement for Duke Johnson. They can find a replacement for Philip Dorsett, Eric Flowers, someone that will actually take take the the team by the scruff of the neck 
Miami could be one of those teams that we could be talking about too. I mean, I'm giving you my dark horses right now because the dark horses are those teams that can just sneak up on you. And there's a lot of dark horses in the ACC. And then there's a lot of teams that are part of the status quo. And then there's those teams that you just know you just know about, you know. Um, like I said, Miami is one of those teams that that can give you anything. They can give you everything you want on any given day. But until but until you put it together on the field. Al Golden, you are still on the hot seat, buddy. And it's just because it's only because of the style of offense you have. I mean, you don't have that kind of offense to deal that to deal with. Um, you don't have that 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 breakout player. Brad Kaya is is an excellent quarterback and a quarterback that that can ball. But if you get the receivers. That he needs, you get. You get the receivers that he needs. You get the running back to go along with that, and you get that safety valve at tight end. That he that he wants. Oh boy, I mean, you go from a six and seven team to a team that can contend for the ACC Coastal Division on a yearly basis. So he's got to get back to being Al Golden. He's got to get back to being to being that no nonsense yet take the bull by the horns and get after get after people kind of coach. He's so relaxed as a coach. You don't see you, for me. I don't I don't see the passion at Miami. I don't. And I think that that's one of the things about Miami that really hurts Miami and really they don't have that swag. And that, that that's what that's what a lot of people are trying to stay away from. But this is what makes Miami Miami. When they have their swag going, they have all this going, you know, that's when you know that's when you know that Miami is Miami. You know, you haven't seen that since the days of, I mean, you haven't seen that since Larry Coker left. You just haven't seen it. So, I mean, Miami is, Miami is a team on the rise, but I don't think that they'll be that team that will that will win the Coastal this year. I think that they can contend for the Coastal. I think they get some wins, you know, some key wins somewhere in, in the division. And, in those crossover games that they'll have, then, you know, some good things could happen. But, you know, it's real hard. It's real hard to say. So, you know, we'll move forward. You know, another team that I think that can contend, probably will contend and probably, you know, and probably – can pull off some big time upsets within the division and within the conference. A lot of people don't talk about them, but you know the Pitt Panthers. I mean, they're one of the few clubs 
in the ACC, especially in the ACC Coastal, that returns a great running back in James Conner, two great receivers, Tyler Boyd, Chad, um, I'm sorry, uh, Zach Challengeworth, who didn't play much, but James Conner, who can catch the ball out of, out of the out of the backfield, and actually won the ACC Player of the Year award over Mr. James Winston. You know, can they can put they put some things together? And I'll say this: they put some things together. Looking at Pitt's schedule, and we'll go through schedules a little later on. But looking at the schedule as of right now, and um, and everything. This sets up to be the perfect storm for Pittsburgh because, you know, they return a lot of starters back. I mean, they're probably, they're probably you know, aside from aside from North Carolina on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, they, they return eight starters, you know, eight starters back from that, from that squad. Both tight ends are back. Um, Chad Vortek. If he, you know, he if he can get it together and play a full twelve game season and not a not a seven eight games schedule like he did last year, um, and put it all together, he could be great. I mean, he's one of those guys. Like I said, you got you got guys who love their their safety blankets. Then you got guys who love to spread it all over the field, not afraid to put it in, not afraid to put the ball in in tight windows and things of that nature. You know, and Chad Boyd does that. You know, and under first year head coach Pat Narduzzi, will we see? Will we see this? I say yes. I say you'll see. You'll see. The playbook from Pittsburgh opened up just a little bit, um, just a little bit more. But you want you'll see more James. You'll see James Conner uh, out of backfield. Said he's a big back. He kind of reminds me of a. He kind of reminds me of the ACC's version of Jalen Hurd of Tennessee. And speaking of speaking of Tennessee, we'll we'll get into Tennessee next week. Um, you know, you look like I said. You look at the offensive side of the ball. You're gonna see. You're gonna. I think I. I'm predicting that you'll see. Um, Pittsburgh open up just a little bit. You know, I. I. I really think that. Um, you know, Paul Chris is starting to open it up last year. You know, from the offensive side of the ball. You know where. You know where. He, you know they were throwing the ball a little bit. Um, didn't throw the ball as much as they wanted to because they had such a dominant running game. Um, but. When you look at it from that perspective, you know they were tenth. In, they were tenth in the ACC and 102nd in passing last year. That that's going to have to change because when you've got a quarterback that can throw the ball like you do, and you have the running back that can throw the ball like you do, there's no way that you that you could that you couldn't have a 3,000 yard passer, 4,000 yard passer, and a thousand yard rusher. Because I mean, you had a thousand yard receiver. You had a receiver that that got almost thirteen hundred yards last year. 
So, you know, that being said, I mean, and then you you put points on the board, and you pretty much kept you pretty much kept the opposing offense out of the end zone as well. You know, even though you know you were toward the bottom, you know, in in defensive scoring, you also gave up more. You also scored more points and gave up fewer, and that was the difference between being again kind of like kind of like what we said about Miami, and kind of like what we said about. Um, You know, kind of like what we said about Miami. You know, the kicking game isn't that strong as you would want it. And that that's the thing, you know. A lot of those games came down to field goals. And there was one game where you missed a field goal and then you went to overtime and you lost that game. Um, and that was actually against Duke. You know, you blew a big lead late. Um so, you know, it's, it's starting to look as though it's, it's not going to be pretty. No, not going to be pretty. But at the same time, it could be plentiful if you look at it from that perspective. Because you know you've got you've got people, you got the defense coming back. You know, it's a very attack minded. You know, get after quarterback. You know. As that as that that coordinator comes in and adds more into it and adds more into it, you know, um, as as his little genesis qua to it, you're gonna see a lot of great things happen for for Pittsburgh. So I think that Pittsburgh could be that that good. I think that they could they can be good, you know. And they got they and, and they got a favorable schedule also. I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, they got Virginia at home. They've got North Carolina at home. They played Notre Dame here. They've got Louisville at home. They got Miami here, oh at Heinz Field. So a lot of those games are winnable games. A lot of those games, you know, can easily be lost. So as we as we get into the season, I think you'll see. What Pittsburgh will do. So, with that being said, let's move on. Um, now I get into the contenders now, and, and you know one of the contenders that you know one. Well, I will give you another dark horse real quick. Um, another 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 team that could that could really show a lot of promise. They really showed a lot of promise last year, and show what they could do offensively. You know, even though they they gave up more points than they did anything, um, and that was you know, and that was because they you know, a lot of things didn't go their way last year. Um, that's North Carolina. I think it's Larry Fedora. Um. He made he made a coup. I mean, he had one hell of a recruiting class. Talking about recruits, I'm talking about 
what he did in his coaching staff. I mean, Gene Chizik, national championship winning coach. I mean, you hire him as your defensive coordinator, and which I thought was probably one of the best moves that, I mean, I personally, I'm not a big fan of the ACC. And, and I, I mean, okay, let me back up. Let me, let me backtrack a little bit. I'm not saying I'm not a fan of the ACC because I love football, period. But I'm, I'm not as into the ACC as I am with the other big five conferences. I mean, I, like I said, I love watching college football, and I love watching football, period. But I think with this hire that North Carolina has pulled off, even though you have status quo with Florida State, this hire – Gene Chizik hired at North Carolina changed North Carolina from being that. Hmm, I don't know if they'll be great. I don't know if they'll be good team to that team that's going to give you fits because Gene Chizik is going to bring anybody from anywhere. He can bring a cornerback. He can bring a corner from the boundary, you know, to to blitz, or he'll bring he'll bring the free safety if they're you know in a in a cover two shell look. So, um, I mean, I know you probably won't do that, but you know, you know that that's that's what I'm you know, I'm, I'm referring to because. You look at some of these numbers defensively, and they were horrible. They were horrible defensively. They gave up a lot of points. They, I actually okay. I watched the coast. I watched the East Carolina game from start to finish, and that East Carolina team put it on North Carolina's butt. So good to the tune of seventy points. When you go back and you look at that game and they score forty seven, that was forty seven points that they shouldn't even score. It should have been probably twenty that they scored. Because one, you can get any offense can get anything offensively going and your defense, you just the defense wasn't gonna stop anybody last year and Six of those players coming back. With Gene Chizik there, this is this team becomes a dark horse because one of what Larry Fedora can do. Two, look at the look at the returning starters that they have back. You know, ten returning starters, ten from the defense side of the ball. And a guy who and, and a quarterback who can spin it, Marquise Williams. You know, he can spin it. 
And I also think that he's one of those guys who you give him time in the box, give him time, and you've got receivers like Ryan Switzer, who I believe is probably one of the best returners in the nation. You've got Quinshaw Davis, who I thought was one of the more impressive players for North Carolina that nobody really talked about, you know. And then you had Mac Hollins who come in and he and he, you know, did a lot of things for you. And Marquise Williams, like I said, I mean, he man, he's a taller version of Darian Durant to me. And he's everything that Durant was at North Carolina. Um he brings a love for 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 the school. He brings a passion for football. He's not afraid to throw the ball, and if he has to use his feet, he'll use his feet. So, I mean, offense will probably have to carry the day for for North Carolina, but at the same time, I think North Carolina can also, if they get, if they get some defense, if they give the offense some help, this team goes from being a dark horse to to possibly containing, and dare I even say, possibly win the ACC Coastal. Hmm. Now a lot of people are giving a lot of people are giving giving a lot of praise to to Virginia Tech and what they've got coming back. And you know, Coach Ryan Bramer in his twenty, which will be his twenty ninth season at at Virginia Tech, he's one of those guys who can be one of those. He's one of those one of those coaches who you can't fire, and you're not gonna you're not gonna push him out. He's got some great he's got some great things going 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 uh, there. You know, Scott Lefford, former Auburn offensive coordinator, a lot of people didn't like the hire that he made when he went to Virginia Tech. I, for one, thought that the hire was pretty good because I like Scott Leffler. I love what he can do, but he just didn't have the personnel at Auburn at that time. And, you know, that that, that was probably his main, his main um, demise there. But you look at look at what Virginia Tech has. They've got a returning quarterback in Texas Tech transfer, Michael Brewer, who for lack of a better word, had really good moments, really bad moments. And then those moments in between where he was really, really good. And I think if he cleans up those mistakes that he made in the beginning of the season and toward the end of the season and put that middle part together and spread it across the full part of the season under Scott Leffler and if they get healthy guys back a healthy running back, but 
along with some senior leadership, there is no way that Virginia Tech does not finish in that top four in the SEC Coastal. There is no way that this team cannot finish toward the top of the Coastal. There's just no way. You know, I think Virginia Tech's a contender because of what they got coming back. They got experience at quarterback coming back. You know, Michael Brewer played played a lot at Texas Tech. You know, he played a lot last year. He played 12 games last year, 13 games last year, won a bowl game. I think that if you can put this team together with the specialists that they have, with the defense that they had, which was surprisingly good. Um, you know, they, they, they've got to they've got to um, replace some players, but at the same time, they're deep, and there is no way possible for me. And I'm saying this for me: Virginia Tech should have been seven and six last year. This is a team that has, I mean, I mean, they got 16 returning starters coming back, eight on each side of the ball, okay? There is no way that this Virginia Tech team should have been 7-6 last year. There was just no way. And I understand that there there was, you know, you had a first year, you had a first year, starter at quarterback, but he also sat out the year before for transfer regulations, restrictions. So he's part of the offense. He knew the offense. And like I said, you know, if he put together his middle of the season and take away those mistakes at the beginning and at the end of the season, I mean, because the guy went into Connor Brewer went Michael Brewer. I'm sorry, Michael Brewer went into he went into hostile territory last year. You beat the national championships. You beat the national champions at home. You beat the national champions at their place, and you beat them handily. You beat them handily. And then you finish the season seven and six? Am I the only person that sees the disconnect here? But Foster's defense didn't let them down. South Africa's offense didn't let them down. It was the little plays in between that let them down. The anemic play against Wake Forest? Really? <laughs> and don't even get me started on Virginia. Really? <laughs> I mean, you lose a, you lose a tough game against Boston College. Again, I thought that. that you should have won by at least two touchdowns. I watched this game also. 
So this for me, Virginia Tech being that dark horse, being that contender, proof right here that they can be. Eight returning starters on both sides of the ball. Both both specialists are back. Great defense. Bud Foster, great, great defensive coordinator. Scott Leffler finally got his offense in. You'll see you'll see Connor you'll see Michael Brewer. I don't know why I keep saying Connor Brewer. I know Connor Brewer plays in plays in the Big Twelve. Sorry about that. Okay. But Michael Brewer if you put the ball in his hand put the ball in his hand and you let him run the offense now. He's mastered the offense now. Give him some give him some latitude. Let him spray the ball around. Let him hand the ball off to Jason Coleman or Shai McKenzie or Marshawn Williams. And, you know, Shai McKenzie, you know, we all know about some of his legal some of his legal problems. So so I mean you find a running back to go along with the receivers, the great offensive line they have, and the great quarterback play that I would expect they'd have along with guys like Kendall Fuller, along with guys like Nigel Williams, who I'm very high on. You know. Uh Dion Clark who who I just who I just I just feel like can be somebody I mean <laughs> just oh I mean this gives me chills just thinking about what Virginia Tech can do. And then we go to the contender. We go to who everybody's picking to win the Coastal. And I, for one, am picking them to win the Coastal also. Uh, Georgia Tech. I mean, let me, let me let me put it this way. You have a you have a running back coming in that uh, not this season, but next season. JJ Green, who can who can ball. We saw him play as a true freshman at Georgia. Days coming in next year. Okay. But you've got you've got a guy like Justin Thomas who's a great quarterback. Can run the option to a T, can throw the ball. Can throw the ball fairly well. Um They put points on the board. I mean, that, that's just that's just it. They put points on the board. On the board. Um, they're not afraid to rush the ball. No, they they're just not they're just not afraid. You know. Um, And then you look at the defense side of the ball, you know, there's some there's some improvement that could be made. 
but because they run such a great option, it it really concerns me. You know that if they can run the if they can control the ball offensively, it puts the defense in a great position. And I'm gonna welcome in a, I'm gonna welcome in my guest today. I'm gonna welcome in my my man today, my my sidekick, my dude. You know he won't be with me next week because, well, the man's getting hitched. So without further ado, I wanna. I want to introduce everybody to Mrs. Jill LaCroix. <laughs> How you doing today, sir? Ashley, this is T-Rex. <laughs> well, you know, T-Rex. <laughs> Mrs. Wendy, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I came in on a different number this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. So, you know, you kind of you kind of messed me up though, you know. <laughs> Cause it looks so much, it looks so much like Scott's number. I swear to you, it did. That's why I was like, "Dang, that's Miss Jill right there. That's Mister Jill right there." Yeah, before don't before tell him I said the, that either. Oh, okay. I will. I'm sure he'll listen to it though. But before we get back into the sports talk about the ACC, are you going to attend um, their wedding next Friday? Um, actually, I I won't be able to. And I wish I could. Are you going? Uh, I won't be able to either, but due to uh, work. But I was thinking, I said we need to do something for him or give him something. Yeah, definitely, definitely do. You know, and you know, Scott's my dude, and I love Scott to death, and I love him, love him being a part of my show. And like, like we've said, he's a great contributor to the Live by Terrence show, also. Live by Terrence six at six PM Sunday, is that correct, Terrence? Yes, sir. So I mean, you know, doing a little cross promotion for my dude right here. And um, uh, you know, before we jump back in before we jump back into into football, um, why don't you tell everybody who you're gonna have on your show tomorrow? All right. Well, tomorrow we're going to have Posse Posse. Uh, he is from the outer Auburn, Alabama area. He put on a concert a couple of weeks ago called Raw Exposure at the Landale Auditorium. We had him on our, our last live show just to kind of talk about that event, but we're going to have him on to talk about his career and everything that's going on in his life. So I make, make sure y'all tune in. Tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for uh, King of Underground Media, the Live by Terrence show with T-Rex and, of course, my lovely wife, Wendy, and, and anybody else that want to call in and or ask questions or whatever. Yeah, and I also want to give a special shout-out to my admin to my admin, and to my man's wife, Wendy, also. Thank, thank you for allowing me to express myself Audioly, I don't even know that's a real <laughs> word or not, but I made it up. It's a Germanism. Uh, hey, hey, hey! This new words are added to the Webster dictionary every day, anyway. So yeah, that one on. Yes, <laughs> yes. So with that being said, 
Um, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Press Boss. This is your man Jermaine, and we on the tailgate crew with my man, with my man T Rex of the of the Live by Terrence show, King of Underground Media. T Rex. Yo, yo, yo! What's up, man? 
Hey, man, just like I said, man, we just be maintaining the day. Maintaining the day, talking about the ACC next week. And it all coincides perfectly with with next week because next next week, starting on Monday, Monday to Wednesday, is ACC Media Day, SEC Media Days. And guess what we're going to be talking about next week, Terrence? What are we going to be talking about? <laughs> we're going to be talking about the Southeastern Conference, baby. Yeah. The Conference of Champions. That's what we do. We win championships. We get to talk about yeah. Auburn football all next week. That's so, great. you know, we, we – dude, it's media day about to start, man. Yeah, this is when it's about to get. This is when it's about to get real, bro. It's about to get real. Yeah, that's when. I done got so excited. I didn't. I didn't broke out in. I didn't broke out in 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 Corey Matthews prepubescent voice. Golly. Yeah. Man, yes. But we go. We go move on. We're gonna move on to. To some more important things right now this week, since we're talking about talking about the ACC, and we're gonna jump over to the Atlantic Division. As I've said previously, do I think Georgia? Do I think Georgia Tech will win the Coastal? Yes, I think Georgia Tech will win the Coastal. I think they'll win it pretty handily. You know, they got a favorable schedule, so why not? But we're gonna jump over to the to the Atlantic because. The contenders, the playoff contenders for me, are in the Atlantic Division. T-Rex, what do you think? Troubles that Florida State has faced in the last couple of days with their athletes been in domestic situations. I still see them as the favorite to come out the Atlantic. Uh, they just, they got too much firepower. They kind of remind me of a of the fifteenth SEC school. If, if you can categorize him as that, because Jimbo Fisher, he's he's a great coach. He's coached in the uh, the SEC, and he has brought that kind of mentality over to the ACC with Florida State. So they 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 only reload every year, and they don't have to go through a rebuilding year anymore. I know they did when they transitioned from Bobby Bowden over to Jimbo, but now he has them clicking on all cylinders. So they just reload. Uh, it's unfortunate that they lost. Um, their quarterback and also their tailback, but still you got a lot of experience coming back. Um, you also had a great transfer coming from Notre Dame. As we were getting, yep. <laughs> he's he's going to be competing for the um, quarterback spot with Sean McGuire. So, I mean, they, they they look solid, and I think they'll be favorites. Of course, you had to watch out for Clemson as always, but between those two teams. And there might be a couple of dark horses behind them. I, I kind of just see Florida State coming out to Atlanta. I do, I do too. But you know, one of the things that that, that I really love about the Atlantic Division is that you got great quarterback play. And yeah, Florida State, they're they're trying to move past the Jameis Winston experience, is what I call it, because I you know I went retro there. You, you notice how I went retro with the with the 70s thing, the, the Jameis Winston experience. But with that being said, you know, you look at you look at a school like Clemson, you look at a school like Boston College, 
who did really, really well last year. Gave Florida State fits. Matter of fact, Clemson should have won that game at Florida State. Boston College should have won their game at home against Florida State. But Clemson, for me, is that real that real contender because I've been high up on Sean Watson on Deshaun Watson since he came out of Gainesville High School in Gainesville, Georgia. You know, a little bit of trivia for you too, um, Terrence. Do you know that quarterback that Deshaun Watson replaced was Alabama quarterback Blake Sims? And he was also a four-year starter, like Blake Sims was at Gainesville High School. So, I mean, that's a little bit of trivia for a lot of people out there that, that don't know what Deshaun Watson can do. He's also he also holds the state record in Georgia for passing yards and career touchdown passes. He had over 100 touchdown passes. That, those are numbers you don't see anywhere other than Texas. So Deshaun Watson, he's the real deal. If you can keep him healthy and let him play his game, this is a guy that could blow that could blow Clemson up into that that upper echelon of where they want to be, you know. Then you look at you look at. And you look at look at what Brent Venables has brought to to Clemson defensively. He's brought that Big Twelve swag to Clemson. He's brought a little bit of an attitude to Clemson. He's he, you know it's almost as though he's brought I don't know just a new attitude. I mean, would I be wrong in saying that or? And he just brought something. He just brings something different to the table. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Clemson, they have kind of turned that corner. They still need to get over that hump and, and actually try to win the ACC and actually com- compete for a national title. But as far as gaining respect across the college football land, they, they have turned that corner. And they, if anybody – they are the ones that can knock off Florida State from that top spot because Dabo Sweeney, he he always have a good quarterback, good offensive um, philosophy for the team. And then, like you said, the defense, the defense has that kind of swag now. And that's what they really need to get get over the hump because the offense has always produced. And now if the defense can catch up with the offense, yeah, they can be, be the ones to knock off Florida State and, and possibly compete for a national championship. And then you know you look at you look at another thing you know with with Clemson and you know they lost their, they lost their their uh, offensive coordinator who's moved on to become the new head coach at SMU Chad Morris. Do you think the philosophies will change, or will they stay as as, as they should stay? 
you might see a slight difference. And, you know, anytime you have different cultures and, and you still different defenses and philosophy, it usually take a couple of years for it to fully integrate into the system. But I think it'll stay the same because, you know, historically Clemson has been known as, as good defensive teams uh, as far as you go out as far as back, uh, well, William Perry when he played. Was it? No, he didn't play. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I don't know why I was thinking about somebody else. But, yeah, as far as going back to the 80s to current day, you know, with Vic Beasley, he, he, you know, he played there as well. And just some of those standouts there, they, they have a defensive mentality. That's kind of what, what, you know, what they are known for. Dabo Sweeney just recently just brought in the offense. So now the offense has taken off and the defense kind of took a slide, you know, a few years. But now maybe they can get it back balance on both sides of the ball to where they can be a complete team and, and finally try to get an ACC title and a championship for, for that season. You know, surprising numbers here. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at some numbers here, and if you look at the numbers last year with the Vic Beasleys and, and, and things of that nature, Clemson was number three in the nation in scoring defense. They were number five in the nation in rushing defense, number two in passing, and number one in total defense. When's the last time you've seen the ACC team be that dominant defensively? It's been a while. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, think back, maybe I, I can't even think of it. I can't even think of a of a, of a team that that was that that good defensively in the ACC. I mean, I think you see more open offenses in the ACC now as opposed to what to what you've seen in past years. So I think that 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 kind of kind of balances everything. But when you look at it from from a, from another standpoint, you know, you look at you look at other schools that great defenses last year. But anemic offenses, i.e., Miami last year, or another team that we can talk about um, that's on this um, on this list, um, Syracuse. You know, they went three and nine last year, but they were solid across the board. Top fifty defense, yet anemic offense. I mean, they gave up more points, but scored less points, which hurt them in the very end. So, I mean, that puts Syracuse head coach Scott Schaefer on the hot on the hot seat. But he's got such great talent, though, which is which is really, really, really. Baffle baffles me that you have such great talent, but they're not showing it. I mean, yeah, yeah Syracuse used to be a respectable football program. I think you know the kids now they look at the glitz and glamour of the school as far as the facilities and 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 the student life that they can have. And I think 
Syracuse, they are a great basketball power, but as far as the football facilities, I think they need to upgrade a lot of that stuff and, and make it look glamour again and try to recruit some of those upstate New York guys that can come there and play for them and, and turn that program around. But I think they need to work on improving their facilities and, 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 and try to go that route and, and try to improve the you know the progression of that program because that program has been in the tank you know as far as since uh, Donovan McNabb left but I know I know they had a couple of decent years the last couple of years except last year when they went three and nine but I think you know to try to at least catch a recruit's eye they need to upgrade those facilities if if they need to build a own a own campus stadium tear down a carrier dome or whatever or something to get those guys in there that want to come and play for Syracuse. And I, I would agree, you know, Kerry Dome is like almost 50 years old now, you know. Well, well almost 40 years old, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's almost 40 years old. I'm sorry, I don't know where 50 came from. Almost 40 years old. And, okay. and I would definitely agree with you because – when you're playing in the same, or when you're playing the same arena as your basketball team, and your basketball team outsells you, something is definitely wrong. There's a disconnect somewhere that we both need to find. I mean, there isn't any way that Syracuse should be doing what they do. I mean, like I said, they've got a great defense, anemic offense. I mean, they only scored 17 points a game last year. They rushed for almost 150 yards a game. They passed for under 185 a game. Where? What? I I don't know where to even – Start with Syracuse. You know, I think Syracuse, they need to find some, like you said, need to find some sort of direction. You know, we all know Bayheim's leaving. If they can get a coach in there that can have the longevity that Jim Bayheim has for football and actually love. Syracuse, like Jim Beheim does, then I think you'll see some improvement, whether it be facilities, whether it be the level of talent that goes there. Because if you think about it, New York is a big state. And the only other school in New York, the only two other schools in New York, is a military school in the Army and a MAC school in Buffalo. And a MAC school in Buffalo, like Buffalo, out-recruits. Syracuse is supposed to be the flagship state school. And Rutgers, who's in the New York, New Jersey area. I, I I don't understand why... If you're going to be the flagship school, treat your school like the flagship school. 
bring in people who actually will care about the school. Bring in people that will recruit. Keep that in-state talent in-state. Keep that in-state talent near you because that that area of New York, upstate New York, has got some great talent. And I just I, I don't I don't I don't understand it. I really don't. I really really don't. But on that note, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Township, man. We on that new mic today, boy. Put your money on, bitch. GMD, that's what we do. I gotta do what I gotta do. Ain't no living, bruh. 27 years, a few scratches, but I made it through the brush. In God I trust. Heavy cushion, must. Light it, it can bust. I see me, dollars just keep moving up. Devil, you got me fucked up. A real nigga never give up. Rules of the game still apply to niggas like us. How you living, fucked up? I vow to turn up. Stupid cash, living fast, living life is a must. Nigga, hundred million, a hundred million dollars. You ain't got that cash, but don't even fucking die. I need a hundred million, a hundred million dollars. I need that cash first, nigga, don't even fucking try me. Nigga, hundred million, a hundred million.
Sisters in Tuscaloosa Touching down, touchdown Holding the crystal ball Clutching crowns, dynasty Well, Brian's ghost steady reminded me Our defense dominant Plus, offensive line of beat Running back, safeties and cornerbacks We on attack, road tide 200 interceptions, 100 sacks Elephants are super intelligent Whatever push will stomp War eagles and gators If they are edible Sports and a highlight they, they are incredible Look up at the scoreboard If they win ahead of you Roll tide You should just pledge it too Crimson Tide Nation That is who you reppin' too I'm so Alabama I'm so Alabama I'm so Alabama I'm so Alabama Welcome back to the Press Box and Jermaine. My name is Jermaine, and welcome to the Tailgate Crew. I'm here online with my man T-Rex, and we're talking all things ACC today. We're talking Coastal Division right now, and we're going to jump back into some dark horses. T-Rex, what's going on? What's up? Hey, as far as the dark horse, man, um, I would say... You probably have to watch out for Louisville. Louisville, this is a you know, second season in the ACC. In the first season, you can kind of say it was pretty successful. They should have knocked off Florida State. And I was rooting for them to do it when they had that lead on them. And then it just let it slide through the crack. But I think they were probably the dark horse out of the Atlantic, though, because Bobby Petrino, he instilled that offense into them. And, and – they got some good recruits. Um, they got some transfers in, and and I think they might can make some noise this year. You know, I, I agree with you on that, and I and I'll now I'll go another direction. I'll, I'm gonna go with NC State has been the dark horse because you look at what Dave Doran has done over his past of his past with his first job at Northern Illinois. Where he took Northern Illinois to a BCS bowl game and had them within earshot of beating Florida State in the Orange Bowl. So, you know, um, you know, he brought a match school to the BCS. Who'd have thought that they competed? You know, so you know, you get him here at at NC State. First year wasn't so great. The second year he goes from three and nine to eight and five in just one season. And he also had Jacoby Brissett, who was another SEC quarterback, um, transferred from Florida over to over to NC State, and he's back for a senior year. So. You know, NC State 
Because you got that kind of they've got that kind of mentality that it's us against the world, and I think you kind of need that in the ACC because, especially in the Atlantic, because of the schools like, like you said, like like a Louisville, like a Florida State, and like a Clemson. And you can also throw Boston College in that mix, even though I don't think Boston College will be as strong as they were a year a year ago. Um, you know, a couple wins here and there. I can see NC State being a nine ten win team, like like Louisville. Louisville should have been a ten win team last year, but things didn't go their way in that Florida State game. And again. And again, you go back to big leads. NC State had a three touchdown lead on on uh, Florida State, and they scored thirty five on answers and finished that game fifty six forty one. So, I mean, those are two schools that should have beat Florida State last year. You know. They put it together this year because both of these schools, they go to Florida State this year. I don't think Florida State is going to go undefeated. I will predict that one of these, one of those two schools will beat Florida State at Florida State this year. I'm just going to put that out there. That's a that's a bold statement, though. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know what? It is a bold statement, and you know, you look at when they play them too. Um, Louisville has Florida State on October seventeenth. Uh, NC State has Florida State November fourteenth. So, you know, that's that real prime time where. It's really important, and it's around that, about around that time that the first playoff rankings come out, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that's where that's that's where it's going to happen. You know, if Florida State lets off the gas to any, whether Everett Golson's in, at quarterback or whether it's Sean McGuire at quarterback, if they let up, and be relaxed with the NC State or Louisville, they're going to get upset. I mean, they're going to get upset, and that's the nature of the beast. Yeah, I don't think those teams mind doing it, too, with the dominance that Florida State has displayed the last couple of years, going 27-1. and one. So, yeah, I'm sure they're ready, ready to uh, lick their chops and, and try to take them out. While they kind of not down, but not as powerful as they were the last couple of seasons. I mean, and you go back, you go back and look at Florida State. They've only got three returning starters coming back on the offensive side of the ball, and with the Davin Cook situation, as we alluded to earlier, you know the strength of that def- the strength of that of that team is going to be on the defensive side of the ball, you know. And they weren't that great defensively last year. As a matter of fact, they were toward the bottom in all in all categories. So the offense really 
saved the day for them. So, I mean, that's why I say Louisville and NC State have the best chances of beating Florida State at home. Do I think it'll happen? Yes. Do I know which team? Not really. We're going to have to see what real team is going to show up, whether it's NC State or whether it's Louisville. You know, they actually play each other October 3rd. So, so I mean, like, that that's that's a catch twenty two game that that has playoff that has playoff um, implications in in it as well if they can get past their first four games provided they get past their first four games for both teams. But with that being said, the prediction for the ACC Atlantic T Rex. Predictions for the Atlantic. Um, yes. Of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Florida State win. Uh, I, I'm gonna put Louisville second because I think they have a lot of momentum coming in. Clemson, I think they're probably gonna slip to the third, and then the fourth and fifth spot that could be interchangeable between Boston College and. And then, of course, the bottom cellar dwellers. <laughs> you can uh, <laughs> flip flop, flip flop either Syracuse or Wake Forest at the at the last spot in the Atlantic. But I do see Florida State as a heavy favorite right now going into the season. And, and I would agree with with the exact order that you have them in. Um, but I think NC State and Louisville is interchangeable, you know. I think any of those three teams that you said in, in your top four are interchangeable. But the bottom three, I, I would leave them as is, you know, only because Syracuse has to find an identity. Wake Forest has no identity. And Boston College They've got to find a quarterback, and they've got to find whether they're going to run the ball or whether they're going to pass the ball. So, I think I think you got it right. I I think we both got it right in that regards. But in terms of a playoff team coming out of the ACC, I'm going to say yes there will be an ACC school in the playoff. T-Rex? Uh, <laughs> I was trying to think. Uh, yeah, I can still see Florida State sneaking up in there some kind of way, even with one loss getting into the playoff. And I would agree. I would agree. Now, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about some key games in the ACC um, and some some other things that we're going to talk about before we get out of here. But 
we're gonna get into some Connor Cassidy. We're gonna get into that framework with him and him and that seventeen year old genius kid called Kyle Bent. Plotting on the same things. We up late as hell, plotting on the same things. 
Trotting on the same thing, trotting on the quest to win against this with the fame brain. Come and be my guest, you can get blamed, man. Let me get my dragon out the den. Let me maintain the flow as I craft it with my pet. I'm a master with the rap and can't be matched by many men. Cause I passed you when I traveled down the path you've never been. Staying active with this passion, try stack up for the gen. Try snatch for the cabbage, silly rabbit with a spin. I'm a savage, call me Ben. Sending rappers turn to dirty bastards when I have to dip. Instrumentals can get ripped. Shooting lyrics off my mental, make you rap. Get the memo like I'm deadly with the clip That the semi-automatic You can bet we bring the havoc Load the barrel, let them have it Just be sure to leave your address I'm addressing all the rappers Playing dress up You in the wrong set The thought I tell you The rap game is not a pageant It's tragic Since a young and been busting bum To get out the gutter Avoiding trouble And now I'm buzzing Due to this hunger I'm busting bubbles Waking brothers up from slumbers Now I'm no longer the underdog I'm heating up this summer No more dreaming Only action Me my team gon' make it happen We just scheming, strategizing why you guys are steady napping? Treasure my presence like pirate chess. I'm spitting crack, release the cracking. Kyle moving back, and so I hope you rappers started packing. Hey, getting uh, evicted. And even claws know that the boys' bars are gifted. We making noise, neighbors might call the boys, they tripping. Might leave a sticky note with a message. You just missed it. Hey, we've been working hard, people never stop that hating. Only seem to quiet down when Kyle finally elevating. Early flights and elevators take me to my destination. 17 and getting green, but we ain't even met the fame yet. It's too much money here. I mean, nobody should be hitting Lotto for $36 million and we got people starving in the streets. That is not idealistic. That's just real. That is just stupid. There's no way Michael Jackson should have, or whoever Jackson, should have a million thousand, drupal billion dollars, and then there's people starving. There's no way. There's no way that these people should own planes and their people don't have houses, apartments, shacks, drawers, pants. I know you're rich. I know you got $40 billion, but can you just keep it to one house? You only need one house. And if you only got two kids, can you just keep it to two rooms? I mean, why have 52 rooms and you notice know somebody with no room? It just don't make sense to me. It don't. Yo, that was Connor Cassidy with Framework featuring that 17-year-old prodigy, Kyle Bent. And Connor Cassidy, he's a he's one of those one of those guys too. I mean, like he's a he's a young up and coming rapper. Also, he's only twenty years old. So get at him, Connor T K Cassidy, at Twitter, um, and check him out on YouTube, man. You know, a lot of it, a lot of that music is on YouTube. So check them out. Welcome back, welcome back to the press box. You're here with me, Jermaine Houston. We're in the tailgate crew. We're gonna jump into some we're gonna jump into the schedules now. And I'm gonna bring back my man T Rex. Yo, T Rex, what's going on? Yo, I'm enjoying the show, enjoying Connor Cassidy and of course uh, you get my, my hopes up for the upcoming football season. <laughs> and as we said, you know, we fifty five days away from, from football season. And on Thursday we were 57 days away. And you know what 57 means to me, Terrence? <laughs> well, you know, we both Auburn fans. So tell, tell, tell the the world what, what 57 means to you. Okay. 57 means for me a 57-yard field goal that went 56. And this is number 11. Auburn legend, 
Chris Davis takes it 109 yards against Nick Saban and his invincible Crimson Tide. And we win the Iron Bowl. We go to Atlanta. They couldn't keep us off the field that night. I wasn't on the field, but I'm going to tell everybody I was. So that's what 57 means to me. Now that it's 55 days away, I keep thinking about the number five. You know what the number five represents? Two weeks before that. Two weeks before that. The prayer. Against Georgia. (laughs) You know, another Auburn legend, he's a senior this year, Mr. Ricardo Lewis. If you're listening to the show, bro, I'm going to hit you up. Um, well, you know what? I want you to tag him in the tailgate crew tweet and tell him I want him on my show. I'm going to tag him on a tweet right now and tell him I need him on my show because he's a legend. Speaking of Ricardo Lewis, my stepdaughter had class with him last semester, so she actually met and had talked to him before um, just general conversation, so Huh. Just an FYI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. So yeah, might need to work them with connections also. But we're gonna get back into the we're gonna get back into the ACC schedule because next week, next week, as I as I stated earlier, this coming week we this is why we planned this for me to come on. You know, and I'm glad the Fourth of July came when it came because now oh, man. we're gonna get into the real conference next week. SEC Media Day start on Monday. We'll be back in next Saturday, and we're gonna talk SEC football. And speaking of SEC football, Louisville starts off the season in Atlanta against Auburn. Oh, yeah. Big-time matchup. I'm so excited about this. Other big-time matchups at the beginning of the season. You have North Carolina, South Carolina, and Charlotte. You have Virginia Tech, Ohio State on Labor Day night in Lane Stadium, Blacksburg, Virginia. Virginia, UCLA. You have... um, Now that's about it, you know, in terms of the bigger matchups, you know, but there's some great, great games that are going to be played, ACC versus SEC schools, over the course of the season and toward the end of the season, you know. Uh, one of the key games for me is Clemson at South Carolina, Florida State, Florida, and um, – Virginia Tech, Virginia, which is a which is the in-state rivalry, which is also in the conference rivalry. So, you know, there's there's gonna be a lot of lot of give and take in, in this in this season. 
Um, as I alluded to earlier when we were talking about the dark horses, Louisville and NC State, that's October 3rd. October 3rd is also also a big week and and I'm gonna I'm gonna call October third judgment week because yeah. across the ACC you got some key matchups. You got North Carolina, Georgia Tech, you got Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, um and you got an interconference matchup between Miami and Cincinnati on a Thursday night in Cincinnati. So at Nippert Stadium. So, you know, we got some big matchups that week of October 3rd, the week of October 17th, uh, Louisville, Florida State, Clemson, Boston College, um, Virginia Tech at Miami. So, you know, you <laughs> there's some big matchups to be made. And T-Rex, What's the what's the matchup that you're most looking forward to? Well, you know, just being a college fan in general, I grew up liking the Florida State Miami rivalry. That's what I'm looking forward to. Mostly from the, the ACC, you know, and then of course the first game on September the fifth, which is Labor Day weekend, in the Georgia Dome. That's Auburn's second home there. Playing against Louisville, and I am looking forward to that. I don't know or undecided if we're going to actually attend that game, or we might just keep it here and and you know you know how we do a grill and well, we still oh doing, yeah doing doing that doing that weekend and and have the TV set up around the pool and watching football all day. That sounds like a plan right there, bro. <laughs> sounds like a plan. You know, like I said, like like you said, the Miami Florida State game is always a big game, um, mm-hmm. crossover game, and also another game that, and two other games that we forgot to talk about. Georgia Tech plays Notre Dame at Notre Dame on September nineteenth, and also September nineteenth, Miami. Is home to Nebraska, which could be, which could be epic. And FYI, that's uh, the Georgia Tech Notre Dame game is after the day after my birthday. <laughs> I'll be sure to bring you something very very alcoholic in in nature. <laughs> okay. But you didn't hear me say that though. <laughs> no, you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, that, no, you didn't I, say that. No. That That's gonna be a good matchup and, with the. Oh yes, oh yes. You know, like I said, you know, ACC, ACC football is on the rise again, and I'm very glad to to have talked about the ACC, and I'm very glad to have this forum to talk football and to talk sports, and. To top that off, before we get before we get off the air today, I want to send a special shout out to Serena Williams who won her sixth Wimbledon title earlier this morning, winning six two six four straight sets for her sixth Wimbledon title, twenty first career Grand Slam, and also 
she's done the calendar slam for the second time. So big ups to Serena Williams. Um, also, um, UFC tonight, uh, Conor McGregor, Chad Mendez, uh, Roy McDonald, uh, Robbie Lawler for the welterweight title. Uh, so a lot of big things going on in the world of sports this weekend. Again, Monday. Monday starts the football season for me officially because it is SEC Media Days in Birmingham, Alabama. So everybody check it out. And also I want to give thanks to Wendy. I want to give thanks to T-Rex, Casey Cordier, my mom, my dad, um, and all family members. Thank you for being a part of the show. T-Rex, any, any parting words? Basically, I just want to tell everybody to have a God bless, and I enjoy being on the Tailgate Crew show. And this is the Tailgate Crew. This is what we do. We'll see y'all next week, SEC football. And check out T-Rex tomorrow, 6 p.m. King Underground Media. And we out.
the curtain don't close unless your flat decomposes. Now watch me strike this pose. I ain't no regular joke. Spin a racket, sex, freaks in Paris for show. I got seconds for horses that pull me on my carriage. Passport in my baggage. Oh, yes, I'm far from average. I only travel where them girls stay bare and savage. So say my brain is damaged. Two women make you saving money, won't you throw a rack? I'm blowing. You blowing money, won't you throw a stack? I'm blowing. I touch a rack. I'm blowing. I touch a rack. Hey, hey, I show you how to burn a stack. One rack, two rack, three rack, four. One hundred, two hundred, spilling on the floor. I'm blowing. I touch a rack. I'm blowing. I touch a rack. I'm blowing. Hey, I'm blowing. 